Welcome back into another edition of the BrownZone.com Zone Coverage Podcast. This is Andy Bullbarch with AM 930 WEOL at 100.3 FM. And as always, joined at a safe social distance by Scott Petrak, Browns beat reporter with the Chronicle Telegram, the Medina Gazette, and of course, BrownZone.com. Scott, how are you holding up in the middle of all this? I'm good, Bull. Um, I don't have any complaints. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty immersed in the draft you know, we got Browns uniforms coming out tomorrow. We're taping this Tuesday, so they come out Wednesday. Um, we got to talk to Andrew Barry last week too. So, actually, from a work perspective, I got a good chunk going on. So, had a nice Easter. Everything's good here. Nice. Certainly, a lot on your plate. Is it seems like the NFL not necessarily conducting business as usual. Things are definitely different. But we will get into all that you just mentioned, from uniforms to drafts to everything in between. But we will start with this virtual off season, which began yesterday. So, how exactly does this work, and how are they conducting the virtual off season, and you know, what kinds of things have you heard about how it's been perceived early on? Well, it's going to be interesting because it just came across yesterday the league sent the nfl and the players union agreed on terms for the offseason program the memo was sent monday afternoon i got a copy of it um so it's still too early to tell it hasn't even they haven't even started it yet the browns and the rest of the league can start next monday april 20th um but it'll be virtual classroom right so i envision kevin stefanski Offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt in front of the room, right in front of a the chalkboard or the over whatever they do it on, right whatever I you know let's call it the whiteboard. They're in front of the whiteboard, and then whichever players it's still voluntary, so whichever players log on to Zoom or Microsoft Team, whatever whatever app they're using, um, they'll watch, right? You assume Baker Mayfield will be on. You assume Case Keenum, hopefully you know, Nick Chubb, the offensive line, whoever. Um, and then they get the first taste of what Kevin Stefanski's offense is going to look like. I mean, this is critical, right? I mean, there's a reason that the five new coaches in the NFL were supposed to get a two-week head start if we weren't in a pandemic, right? If it was business as usual, the Browns and the four other teams with new coaches would have started their offseason program April 6th. And they would have had the players in the building, they would have gotten in front of it. They would have handed out the playbooks. They would have started to install the offense in a classroom setting. You're still not allowed to practice. And then there would be some weight training and conditioning. Well, now it's going to be bumped back two weeks. The Browns no longer have that two-week head start. What they will have, and the rest of the teams with new coaches, will have a week of voluntary veteran minicamp, and it's in May. I want to say May 11th. They can do three or four days of a voluntary veteran minicamp. And that'll be more classroom work. And the other half part of it is workouts. And, you know, your strength and conditioning coach will be virtual and telling guys what to do. And I don't know how that exactly will be set up. Will they, do they just give them a program that they want them to do? Do they actually watch them lift weights? And that seems like it'd be hard to do with whatever, 75, 80 guys on the roster right now. Um, but it's a two-part thing where one will be classroom work and virtual classroom work, and one will be virtual strength and conditioning. And this all lasts until May 16th, and then the second phase starts May 18th, and it could still continue virtually. Then it could be on the field if, you know, the league's back open for business, if the country's back open for business. 
Um, that's to be determined, but that's a second phase, and that continues through um, the end of June, and then there's the break before training camp. So obviously it's a whole new world. It's going to, the Browns and everybody else in the league will have to navigate it. It won't be the same as having the guys in the classroom with you, but I think it's necessary for any team, but especially a team with a new coach and a first-year coach like the Browns, to get as much done as they can before they are able to meet whenever that is, because there's a lot to go over and there's a lot of new stuff for everybody to learn. So the virtual offseason will begin next Monday, which of course is a few days before the NFL draft and the virtual classroom thing is going to be awfully interesting to see just how well that goes over. I mean, it can be tough to read a room especially when you're doing it virtually. And I think it's even more difficult when you're doing it as a first-year head coach, too. So I'm awfully interested to see how this goes over, and maybe we can discuss that next week. But there are just so many uncertainties with this process in some very, very uncertain times. Although, one thing I am certain of, Scott, is the fact that people are really excited about these new jerseys that are going to be unveiled tomorrow. So, you know, I think everybody's got an opinion as to what they want, what they think this is going to look like. And I think you and I are on the same page here. It makes little difference to us what these jerseys actually look like. But I don't want, I want to applaud the Browns because initially they are donating the, donating the proceeds of the jersey sales to the Hats Off Our Heroes Fund, which focuses on aiding healthcare professionals, first responders, educational professionals, and other groups who are pivotal in the community year-round and are valiantly serving as role models in the face of significant adversity due to COVID-19. So it is going towards a terrific cause. It is. And, you know, the Haslam's, obviously, their 10-year's owners has not been successful on the field. Um you know, they had the huge Pilot Flying J scandal, which tarnished their their reputation. But I think it is fair to say that they do, they do a good job with the community, and they have really made an effort to be part of the Northeast Ohio community. You know, they build the, the athletic fields across the area. You know, it started with the Cleveland schools and their effort to get more kids to attend school because there's a study about you know, the more you go to school, obviously, the better it is for your education and graduation rates. And one of the things that makes kids stay in school is extra or show up for school are extracurriculars. So they do a good job with that. They build, you know, athletic fields in Cleveland. They built one in Lorraine. They're starting to expand out of just Cleveland. And, you know, the, the organization as a whole is really committed to helping the community. The Haslam's donated $1.5 million for the Corona across Ohio for the Corona relief efforts. And then this to tie in the uniforms, the, the new uniforms and to give the proceeds to these, this cause, uh, this relief cause, I think is great. I think it's the right thing. I think it's the perfect time to do it when you have the interest in the new jerseys. So yeah, I, I do think they should be applauded. Um, but you're right, Paul. I just, I'm not a big uniform guy. Um, I hope they don't take my credential away because I say that. I'll still write about it. I still have written about it. Um, but, you know, I have opinions on, oh, it's a good-looking uniform or not. I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. Um, I haven't been trying to find leaked jerseys so I could have that scoop. I just don't have that passion for it. 
but I know that plenty of the fans do and plenty of my readers do, so I appreciate that. And I, I think tomorrow will be an exciting day for those people because it gives you, it gives them something to get excited about, something to look forward to, something to go online and you can pick the jersey you want and the number you want and the name you want on the back if you want your name or you want the player's name. Um, so, yeah, I think there is a good amount of excitement for it. High noon tomorrow, right? That's when they release those bad boys? That is. That's that's the plan. It'll be on, you know, bronze.com and their social media efforts or sites. You know, I'll have a story about it as soon as I get the information with the pictures. And if they have videos, I'm sure they'll have videos of maybe some of the guys wearing them. Um, but it's just interesting. And we were talking before we started to record this. Um, you know, when you do the job that I do, you know, I'm not going out and buying jerseys, right? I mean, I don't, you know, I'm a supposed to be a neutral observer. Um, you know, I root for the Indians, I root for Northwestern, um, but I just don't wear a whole lot of jerseys. But I'm in a fantasy football league, and I remember sitting, I mean, I want to say this is 2018, right? I think it's my 2018 draft, and one of the guys, was might have been 17 even, and one of the guys was saying, hey, I want to buy one, I want to buy a jersey, but I want a guy that's going to be around for a while. And then I get that. I get that dilemma, right? If you don't have all the money in the world, you want to be careful about which jersey you want to buy. And he said, what do you think about Jabril Peppers? I said, well, you know, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to, a guy that's going to be around for a while. He was either just drafted that April or had been drafted a year earlier. It played okay. I don't think there was any sign that the Browns were in a huge rush to trade this guy. And then we know what happens, right? They change regimes. John Dorsey comes in. And all of a sudden, Peppers is gone in the OBJ trade. So I get why fans, you know, I get that they invest in this. I get that it's a serious decision for plenty of people, which one to buy and which color to buy and which one am I going to wear and all that stuff. So um, it's just interesting to me the fascination people have and then kind of how it plays out into your real life is, man, I just wasted this money on X, on this player and really, when you look at the Browns over the last 10, 15 years, I mean, besides Joe Thomas, I'm not sure there's been another guy that you could buy a jersey of and be like 100% satisfied. You know, Joe Hayden was here for a long time. Josh Gribbs, um, we're going back a little ways. But, you know, all the people that bought the Johnny jerseys, obviously, were burned. Um, you know, Baker, I think you can feel somewhat comfortable with Baker. But after year two, new regime. You know, I don't know if we can say 100% that Baker will be here in three years. Um, so it's just another interesting thing when you talk about the jerseys. At least I find it interesting. Well, hopefully whomever they draft with that 10th overall pick this year is a name that people could feel pretty confident about being around here for a while also. We'll get into that 10th pick and maybe how likely a trade may or may not be too. But let's get into the draft itself. We're just over a week away. And just a couple of days ago, you wrote a piece on Andrew Barry detailing how confident he is that this virtual draft is going to work. Given his background, there are a lot of reasons for optimism. What were some of your major takeaways in putting this article together, revealing that he's got a pretty interesting background when it comes to something like this, and you can't help but think that there are a lot of guys around the league that could at least struggle with this process initially? Well, that's the thing, and that's what I'm trying to kind of figure out. Well, because I'm not super, I'm not Mr. Technology, you know, I mean, I know my way around a laptop a little bit, but, you know, my wife is way better at 
technology than I am. And if something pops up, I ask her and she straightens me out. So if I were GM of the Browns and I was used to drafting in a room, right, in the Browns' giant draft conference room, and I had all my picks on the board and I could see it and I was used to watching film a certain way, and I was used to seeing the paper in front of me, whatever it is, it would be a shock to my system to all of a sudden be doing everything remotely and not having that draft board and having to toggle between screens or having to have six screens open or whatever it is, whatever setup Andrew Barry has, that would be unsettling to me. And I would think there's GMs across the league that would feel the same way. And maybe John Dorsey, right? He's a, a generation older than Andrew Barry. Dave Gettleman in the, with the Giants, I mean, he's as old school as it gets, and he rips analytics. It, and maybe I'm being biased here, but it feels like he might struggle with this adjustment. Where Andrew Barry says that's not a problem at all. And that's one of the big takeaways from when we talked to him a week ago, um, or last week sometime, is that he feels completely comfortable. He doesn't mind not having the draft board. He says he's got everything in the databases he needs and call it up as fast as he wants. Um, and he feels comfortable, even though he'll be in one place, he'll be in Cleveland. Kevin Stefanski, the coach, will be in Minnesota. The scouts and the assistant coaches are spread across the country because they're not allowed in the team facility. But Andrew Barry feels comfortable, and he mentioned his age. He goes, he thinks that has something to do with it. He's only 33, right, the youngest GM in NFL history. And he's got a master's in computer science from Harvard. So all that, right, if you've been doing this your whole life, working technologically and doing all your – you know, Zoom meetings and everything that now the world's getting used to, the rest of the world's getting used to using, and your computer science major from Harvard, then I think that that's an advantage compared to maybe some of the people across the league um, when you have to deal with this new world that they're going to have on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday next week. And I think we are all awfully intrigued as to how this is going to work, but you're right. I mean, his age certainly has to come into the equation at some point, right? And I think in many ways people might look at that and look down on it to some degree. But I think in this instance, that makes a big difference in a positive way because I think at least over the last couple of weeks, you've got to at least think that they've communicated in some form or fashion. I know they've done a dry run of this so that some of the old school guys can get a feel for how this works, whereas you get the impression Andrew Barry doesn't really need to get a feel for how this works. He's already experienced this in a couple of different ways. I think that's the key. I think that's the key point, Paul, is that maybe I'm assuming the rest of the league will be caught up by the time they get to the draft, right? And I know the league itself is going to hold mock drafts just so they can get make sure the technology is there and they have fail safes. And you know, if this happens, we go to this, and so you so a team's not on the clock and has no way to get the pick. So they're going to make sure that is taken care of. But I do think the Browns and Andrew Barry specifically, and Kevin Stefanski too, he's a young guy and he's an Ivy League guy, and Paul DePodesta, who works remotely plenty of the time from San Diego anyway. um, I think there's just a comfort level there, and that will help them, and I think it will ease some of the anxiety that maybe other organizations are going through. Now, it must be said that that doesn't mean they're going to draft the right people. And that's the number one thing when it comes to the draft is if they don't know how to evaluate a left tackle, then it doesn't matter that they know how to call up their draft board and they know how to get in the pick and they feel comfortable working the phones for trade, even though it's a different setup and you don't have your landlines and all those things. 
you still have to be able to evaluate talent, and that's the number one thing. But I, I do think it's at least noteworthy and maybe even an advantage having that comfort level with the technology where, uh, you know, and, I, and again, I'll say that I just can picture myself in this situation, right? We've all, or plenty of us, have drafted for fantasy football or fantasy baseball remotely. And if you're worried about your internet or you're worried about your computer crash and whatever, sometimes you make a rush pick because you're afraid of what's going to happen. And I could see a team saying, hey, let's just get the pick in as opposed to taking that extra minute to discuss them or calling a fourth team to try to get a better trade. And I just think if you're comfortable with the whole setup, it just makes life easier and helps the whole process and gives you better options. Now you still, like I said, you still have to know who you're picking and be able to evaluate those guys. But I, I think it is a little, at least a little bit of an advantage for the Browns. And, you know, I mentioned that trade thing. And to me, that's, the one area that I'm really intrigued to see what happens in this different kind of draft, because teams knew how they would operate draft or operate trades during other drafts, right? You get teams on the phone and you can put somebody on hold and all that stuff. And you're operating within either the same room or a couple of rooms in the same facility. And I'm just not convinced it will be as easy to do when everybody's spread across the country. And I, I just tend to think there'll be fewer trades than we've seen in the past, and maybe I'm wrong, and hopefully I'll be proven wrong, because I think that's fun when we get so many trash during or trades during the draft. Um, but I'm not convinced we'll see the same volume given the new circumstances. One more thing on that topic before we move on to that tenth overall pick: Have they given any indication as to how many people are going to be a part of that discussion, that Zoom conference meeting, or whatever the case may be? Have they given any indication as to how many people will be a part of that conversation and who might be a part of that conversation? Well, from everything I've been reading, it's there's going to be different layers, right? Like Andrew Barry will be on one call with his top people, and I want to say it's five or six. So you have a Kevin Stefanski. I don't know if Jimmy Haslam would be on that call or not. You have, I assume, Ryan Grigson, his advisor that used to be um, GM of the Colts, and now he's – an advisor consultant for Barry leading into the draft. Maybe he'll stick around after the draft. You have the top people from the personnel department. I think they're on a call or a Zoom, whatever. They're on one setting the entire time. And then there'll be another setting where Andrew Barry can talk to the position coach of the player they're considered taking and the coordinators, right? And then you have a third setting where this is how we're going to worry about trades. And you talk to these six teams, and you talk to these six teams, and I think they kind of have to divide it that way. And then you have the league communication. Somebody's got to be on with the league. And I think there's a, there, there's a couple different things the league has set up to make sure the picks get in. I think they're all on one, like let's call it a Zoom call, and then there's another area where they can just call in a call, like calling directly, calling a pick or a trade directly to the NFL if the first thing doesn't work. So – that's what I'm talking about. You have to be able to juggle a whole bunch of different things. And I read that Atlanta's GM, Thomas Dimitrov, told Peter King that he would have an IT guy in his house. Now, he was going to quarantine in the basement, and he was going to come in a different entrance, but just in case he needed him, he was going to be there. And I would assume the Browns would have something similar, where they could, if Armageddon situation, like Andrew Berry mentioned, 
how do we handle it? How do you handle it as a team? Um, I think they would have that kind of situation in place, but that's what I mean. Like everything's going to be so spread out and so segmented as opposed to being in one or two rooms in your team facility, which is the way these teams have been doing it forever. So that's interesting to me, and I'd be really interested to see how every team handles that because you're right, there are just so many layers and so many different things that you have to juggle. And look, it's it's different too. And a lot of times, if something is wildly different than the way you're used to doing it, there's going to be an adjustment period as well. All right, Scott, let's take a look at this number 10 pick. You You mentioned a few moments ago, you don't really think that there will be nearly as much trading because of the situation that during the draft, but... This is a two-part question here. Number one, is there any way that the Browns don't draft an offensive lineman with that 10th overall pick? And how likely do you think a trade is, especially in that first round? I do think there's a way that they don't take a left tackle at number 10. And I think there's two, to me, there's two scenarios where they don't, right? We're all assuming they do, or they will, because the need is great. Um, To me, it's the number one need on the roster. They haven't addressed it in free agency or through a trade. So it just makes all the sense in the world. But I see scenario number one is they trade down from number 10. And I know that irritates a lot of fans, even the suggestion of it, because the Browns have traded down in the past and given up the chance to take some big-time players, right? We all know they could have taken Julio Jones. Um, they passed on Clay Matthews the third. Uh, you know, we can go on and on. They yeah, they just have, and it's been multiple regimes, right? They passed on Carson Wentz, they passed on Deshaun Watson, and we're going from Eric Mangini to Tom Hackert to Sashi Brown. They've all traded out of big-time picks and passed up players you look back and you regret the fact that they passed up. Having said that, it makes sense to acquire extra picks. We all know what a crapshoot the draft is. Analytics tell you. The more picks you have, the better chance you're going to get them right. So I don't, on, on face value, I don't have a problem trading down, especially if you're not giving up the chance to take a quarterback. Like, that's my biggest issue. If you have a chance to take a quarterback, take your quarterback. And I think you could say the same for maybe a, an elite pass rusher, an elite playmaker. You don't want to give up on that guy. But left tackle isn't quite the same, in my opinion. So, you know, to make it, I've been rambling here, but the point is, I think Andrew Barry goes into it open to trading down from number 10. So I think that's one way that they'd take a left tackle 10. The other way is if Clemson hybrid linebacker Isaiah Simmons happens to fall to number 10. Now, plenty of mocks have him, having, have him going number four or even number seven. But Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network had one where he stayed on the board for the Browns at number 10. And I think he might just be such a dynamic player that Andrew Barry would make an exception and go get him at number 10. There's a need there at linebacker. I don't think linebacker is nearly as critical a position as left tackle is, and I think Andrew Barry would tell you that. But if you feel Simmons is such a game changer and he can play some safety for you and he can play some slot for you and he's just a playmaker type on defense, then you could be, you could be bumped off a left tackle to take that one guy. So I think those are the two scenarios, and I do think if you're Andrew Barry, you can trade down from 10. Now, maybe you don't wind up getting one of those top four tackles. You were talking about Judrick Wills from Alabama, Mackay Becton from Louisville, 
uh, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa and Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Maybe if you trade back to 15 or 18, all four are gone. But the Browns might like Ezra Cleveland from Boise State or Josh Jones from Houston or Austin Jackson from the UFC and say, we can get one of those guys later in the first round. We still fill our left tackle need and we pick up a second round pick or a third round pick because we have other needs to fill. So I would not be stunned if they moved down from number 10. In my original mock draft, I had him staying there. It's staying number 10 and taking, I think it was Andrew Thomas from Georgia. I haven't committed to what I'm going to do for my final mock draft, but I think those are all in play. And I think the depth of the left tackle class gives Andrew Barry the option to trade down, still fill that huge need and yet pick up more picks. Now, you will have one more mock draft out before next Thursday, correct? Yeah, I don't. I was I was toying whether or not I'd get another one out this week, but I don't think I will. So I think I'm just going to have one next Tuesday or Wednesday. Good deal. Well, that'll give us a lot to talk about next week for sure. We've got one more of these to go before the NFL draft and should be really, really fascinating to see what the Browns do with that 10th overall pick or if they trade back, as you mentioned, is certainly a possibility. Scott, as always, a pleasure, and look forward to doing this again next week. Sounds good, Bill. Thanks, bud. Thank you, Scott. Again, that's Scott Petrak, Browns beat reporter with the Chronicle Telegram, the Medina Gazette, and, of course, at brownzone.com. That's going to wrap up today's edition of the brownzone.com zone coverage podcast. For Scott Petrak, this is Andy Bullbarch saying thank you again for tuning in, and we will speak to all of you again next week.